0: Attention! This is a destro reminder. From Friday afternoon, March 31st, until Sunday evening, April 2nd, the actor who portrayed me on European and American television, Arthur Burkhardt, will be at the Greater Houston Pop Culture Power Show at the Stafford Center and Convention Hall. Tickets for this great Comic-Con will be sold at the door through ticket Or online at pwrshows.com. Come see me. Cobra! Destro out! <laughs>
1: Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to a brand new edition of geek to me Radio. Tonight, we have award-winning director April Wright on, talking about a great documentary she's got out, Back to the Drive-In. We'll talk about some of her other projects as well. Later on, we'll hear from voice actor David Kay and actress Dale Souls about her new series, Dig Man, on Comedy Central. All that and more, stand by. We're talking to you. you're driving around the greater St. Louis area tonight listening to us on the big 550 KTRS. Hello to you. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. If you're streaming us out there, we've got video in tonight, which means Joey V's in the studio with me running video. So hello to all of you who might be watching on YouTube and Facebook. If you're streaming us on the KTRS app or on the website, listening to us on points out there in the internet, hello to all of you. And of course, as always, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form, we do appreciate you subscribing and listening each week and uh hopefully if you haven't already subscribed you hit the subscribe button wherever you're hearing this that always helps us out with search engine optimization and we greatly appreciate that a lot of guests to talk about and i'm excited to dive into this next one uh we've got award-winning director april wright she has a new doc out called back to the drive-in and she's with us live on the show now april thanks for your time tonight yeah thanks for having me on of course, uh, we've got a drive-in theater right across the river in Belleville, Illinois, the Skyview Drive-In. It's been there forever. I know they just updated all their stuff ooh, probably about six years ago, so they had all the, the newer stuff put in for their facility there. But it's, it's, it, it really is a lot of people see it as a throwback to a, a simpler time, but it's so enjoyable, and it's always great to see crowds come out to see these movies at the drive-in.
2: Yeah, it is. A lot of people think drive-ins are kind of behind the times, but they all have digital projection. A lot of them already have laser projection. So it's a a good show and a good time for sure.
1: Do you remember what your first, because you were, if I'm not mistaken, you grew up in, I'm not sure if you were born in Chicago, but you grew up in Chicago, correct? Yeah, I
2: did. I'm from Illinois and I grew up north of Chicago. So we had three drive-ins that were open when I was a kid. And we went all the time. So, yeah, I, I don't remember specific movies because it was just something we did every summer. <laughs>
1: and- I remember before I ever went to a drive-in, I'm an 80s kid. I remember watching The Facts of Life and they had an episode where they were snuck into the movie theater and they left someone in the trunk. They forgot to let the person out during the movie, uh, or during, yeah, during the movie that they were seeing on that particular episode. But I was like, I, what's a, what's a drive-in? But then when I got older, I'm like, (laughs) oh, this is so cool. You actually sit in your car and now you just tune the dial in. You don't have to put the speaker on the, on the window anymore. But it really is such a cool way to see movie if no one has ever done it.
2: Yeah, I think it it, it totally is. It's not what people expect. It's more, it's about more than just the movie. Like, yes, you're seeing a movie, but you can talk with the people that you're with. It's a whole experience.
1: And it's interesting too, because you, in the drive in industry back in 2020, this was the way, Hey, we can social distance and still go see a movie. Yes, please. Uh, So they kind of had a little bit of a resurgence, which was great to see.
2: Yeah, it was. They got a lot of attention, and drive-ins became, you know, the entertainment venue. So when everything else was closed, drive-ins were also doing concerts. They were doing high school graduations, stand-up comedy, church services. They A lot of things went to the drive-in when everything else was shut down from COVID.
1: And the only bad thing, obviously, is they're seasonal. I think Skyview Drive-In usually opens somewhere in May, uh, and they usually close. They do a horror film festival, and they show a bunch of scary movies around Halloween. But then they are usually having to close in Illinois here, especially by November. It's just one of those seasonal things. When when you're when you're working on this documentary, uh, back to the drive-in, you did one previously, if I'm not mistaken, in 2013, I believe. Go uh, Going Attractions, it was called. So was this one that you just felt there was so much more you wanted to talk about, or was it because of their resurgence during COVID that you revisited drive-ins?
2: Yeah, my first documentary was about the history of drive-ins. Going going Attractions, the definitive story of the American drive-in movie. So if anybody wants to know how they were created, why, the heyday, it it goes through everything, all the ups and downs. And then I did want to do, that's part of why it's called Back to the Drive-In, because for me as a filmmaker, I was going back to the drive-in. But also, you're right, during COVID, a lot of people went back to the drive-in and rediscovered it. Although I wanted to do this before COVID, um it just sort of added an additional layer to the story.
1: Yeah. And, and do you I if I'm not mistaken because I know we used to do a trivia night here on Saturday nights on KTRS and Skyview Drive-In was one of the sponsors of the trivia night. If I'm not mistaken, if you can correct me obviously, I think there's only maybe about 60 drive-ins at the most throughout the country that are left that still operate?
2: No, a lot more than that. Oh, good. But okay. um yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is still down a lot. I mean, at the peak, there was over 5,000. Wow. So, you know, 90 some percent of them are gone. But there were over 300 going into COVID. Oh, okay, a few have closed since then. So it's a little bit under 300. But yeah, that, uh, the, there, there's strivings left if you look for them.
1: And I know we have uh, here in uh, right on the St. Charles Rock, I'm pointing as though anyone in radio can see me. If you're driving to Highway <laughs> 270, look up there. Um, they've got the Marquis still from the Airway drive in. And my dad actually managed that movie theater back in the 50s and 60s. And now I think it's a shop and save if I'm I'm remembering correctly. Oh, that's
2: so crazy. You know, I went there um, for my first documentary and it appears in in that documentary. So I saw that marquee that that was saved. Yeah, it's really cool.
1: Yeah, I think I haven't been down that way in a while, but I hope it's still there cuz it's such a cool marquee and that's uh, there's like I said there's a Shop and Save now, but it's right at the top of the hill yes. as you come up the crest of the St. Charles Rock Road. You kind
2: of can't miss it. It's really <laughs> it's, cool and it is still there.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> and Like I said the, the, my dad was the manager of that one. it's kind of my cool little foot into, you know, that that realm as well. I was too young at the time to realize because um, he, he was long retired from that by the, the time coolness. I came along. You,
2: you didn't realize the coolness of it. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. So this is it's one of those things you've gotten two documentaries about this now. You've got the other one, Going Attractions, the definitive story of the movie palace. Another one you just recently came out with, Stunt Woman, the Untold Hollywood story. I kind of feel like you're just this really cool person who gets to do documentaries and whatever interests you, which is amazing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I tell, I mean, I do everything, not just documentaries, but I wouldn't know how to do like a real heavy topic, like Mm -hmm. about politics or something like that. Um, All four of my docs that have come out are like different aspects of the movie business, but sort of, you know, looking behind the scenes or or just from a different perspective.
1: And what got you into filmmaking? What what made you decide, uh, you know, hey, when I get, when I grew up, I want to direct. This is what I want to do. When did you kind of get that feeling?
2: Well, I always loved movies. I had a movie family. My dad had an 8-millimeter camera. Mm-hmm. We had a projector. We had editing, real to real editing qu- equipment in the, in our basement. So I was always aware of the process. And then when I got older, my brother and sister both worked at our local movie theater. So I got to go there and see as many movies as I wanted. Nice. And um, so I knew I'd get into this business eventually. Um But um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm attracted to certain stories and, um, and you're right. I do kind of pick and choose, but I kind of like underdog stories Mm. and I feel like looking at the drive-ins, looking at the stunt women and their struggle in that business, like that, that's been the common theme in everything that I'm interested in. It's sort of, you know, and, and that definitely comes through, I think in this new movie back to the drive-in, we're definitely rooting for some people who are fighting um, to keep them going. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because I feel like there's that wave of nostalgia that every generation gets, and the fact that we do still have, as you said, almost 300 drive-in movies, and they did make a kind of a pop back in 2020, just kind of shows you nothing ever really goes out of style with with everything kind of changing. Like, we're losing shopping malls. I used to, again, an 80s kid. I went to the mall all the time when I was little. Yeah, it was who just would one imagine the
2: mall would go away, right? Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> who would have thought? But I think, like, the fact that these have stuck around and even had a bit of a reprise, do you think there's still a future for this, or would this always be something that's kind of like, we'll have a couple of these out there, and it will always be kind of a, a relic of the past?
2: I think everybody's kind of optimistic. That the, uh, the other thing that happened during COVID was that all the movie theaters shut down, and so a lot of the studios had an opportunity to see what would happen if we just put movies only on our streaming services. And I think most of them came to the conclusion that's not the best path, that people do like going and seeing movies in theaters and it's better for the movie in the long run. So I think, I hope we might see an uptick.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, And the, I, the best thing about these is a lot of these drive in, I know Sky, I'm, I speak, I say a lot of these, Skyview is the only one I've ever been to. So, But I, I think a lot <laughs> of them usually do the double feature, which is really cool. Like they'll show, like they might show, Encanto and Lightyear for the kids on one screen. They've got another screen where they're showing, like, John Wick 4, and they might have the third movie out playing, too, just to kind of lead in. But that's that's a fun thing. The double feature has kind of gone away. I don't remember double features in my lifetime except at the drive-in.
2: Yeah, and it really is a drive-in thing. Or if you go to, like, a retro movie house that's only playing old movies, sometimes they'll do double features. Mm -hmm. Like, we have the new Beverly out here in Los Angeles that Quentin Tarantino owns, and he's all double features. But um, yeah, drive-ins do double features still. Almost all of them still play double features, so you can find cool, you know, cool combination of movies, and
1: it's a good value. Yeah, shout out to our friend Tom Stockman from We Are Movie Geeks. He's uh, he does eight millimeter double features uh, occasionally. Uh, when when you get the chance, if you're uh, if you're listening right now, uh, find Tom Stockman on Facebook, and he'll update you next time he has one of those double feature showings of his eight millimeter films it, it the the way movies you mentioned it earlier i'm a theater guy if i'm gonna see a movie i don't care how good your surround sound is in your home how big of a screen you have on mounted to your wall of your living room it's not the same experience as going to a movie theater and i think the drive-in provides an even more unique experience wouldn't you say
2: i agree with that a hundred percent i mean i I I stream things at home, of course, but it all kind of blends together, or sometimes you're multitasking while you're watching because you're doing other things in your house. So when you go to a movie theater, you have a much more intimate experience with the movie, with the characters, and it it just hits you in a different way. When you go to a drive-in, because there's that whole added environment that you're outdoors Mm -hmm. and you have all these other elements, it really creates a memory and an experience um, that people don't forget. So I think there is something special about seeing
1: movies that way. And you mentioned the amount of drive-in theaters. Obviously, for the two documentaries you did, do you know how many of those approximately 300 that you got to go see?
2: (laughs) Well, that's a funny thing, because when I made my first documentary, I wanted to be really thorough and so I traveled the whole country. One summer I went through the southern U.S., and I, I live in Los Angeles now, even though I'm from Chicago. went through the southern route. I spent a whole month. The next summer I spent a whole month going through the northern. Hmm. I went to Hawaii. Oh, wow. The only place I didn't go is Alaska. They had drive-ins, but I just haven't been there yet. But I visited over 500 drive-in locations. Wow! So I went to open drive-in, closed, abandoned drive-ins, remnants, uh, former sites to see what is there today. Um, so, I, I, as a side effect of making these movies, I have definitely been to more drive-ins than <laughs> anybody on the planet.
1: <laughs> so, uh, the the people who have a, the the abandoned ones is it like uh, the, the if there's still structures there, is it the 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 city owns the property, the private developer come in and bought it with the intention of? I'm, I'm sure it's different in every location, but I'm curious as to what happens to some of those. Like the one here on the St. Charles Rock Road I mentioned, you know, it's a shop and save. Are there still remnants like this is being preserved by historical societies? Do they step in to kind of help keep some of the land?
2: You know, it's all over the place. The preservationists have not focused on drive-ins as much as they have some of the historic indoor theaters, mm. um, like, like my other documentaries about the movie palaces. Um, like you have one there, the St. Louis Fox, that was a movie yeah. theater. People don't realize a place like that was built for movies. Right. It's, <laughs> it's hard to believe to now. Think, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something that magnificent. Um, so the preservationists focus there a little more than drive-ins, but sometimes marquees are saved and things like that. Um, But a lot of the ones that are still standing, they're just in an area that um, people stopped going. And a few of the ones that were abandoned, actually quite a few, have started coming back. I know of at least um, two um, in the past year that that were just abandoned or, you know, the land was still there and they came back. People resurrected them as drive-ins again. So that's the best thing that can happen to some of these.
1: (laughs) And there's a lot of, like we mentioned again, Bellevue, our... yeah, no, Bellevue, Belleville, Illinois, with the uh, Skyview Drive-in in Belleville. There we go. I was, I knew I was crossing yeah. my wires. Um, they, they're they're outside. They're not in the normal like you won't find them within a metropolitan area. Mostly, I, w- I would assume because of the light pollution, because you don't want a lot of ambient light spoiling the picture or things like that. But uh, it seems like there. It's also an advantage because some of these smaller communities might want something like that to kind of bring in business bring in tourism i would think that could almost be uh, a a saving grace for some of these smaller communities
2: yeah it's kind of mixed i mean if you watch my first documentary when drive-ins were first built they were on the outskirts of town where you didn't have that light pollution but then as cities expanded um, that's how a lot of drive-ins did get pushed out um, the light pollution with the digital projection is not as big of an issue as it used to be. The The picture is very vivid with the digital projector, so that's not so much a factor. Um, if you look at my new movie, Back to the Drive-In, there's one in Fort Worth, Texas, and you can see the tall buildings of downtown a couple blocks from that drive-in. Mm. So they're not all rural, although some of them are.
1: And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm, I'm trying to remember back uh, the, the upgrades that a lot of these drive-ins had to make wasn't it like required or was it just because a lot of them were like i'm not sure if there was like uh, you know like the fcc yeah, regulates the, digital, the
2: radio yeah it was the digital conversion that happened um maybe like 12 years ago mm-hmm. so uh whenever you think went from film to digital that was a lot cheaper for the studios to send around a digital copy sure. than to make all these film prints And also the new 3D was coming out then, and you needed the digital projector to project that, to project Avatar and some of these new movies that were coming out. And so the the bigger chains had much more money put behind them to make that conversion because there was money that was in it, you know, for the studios and that type of thing. They didn't pay as much attention to the independent theaters and to the drive-ins. They were just kind of left by the wayside. Mm -hmm. So that's why everybody was concerned they might not survive. But turned out pretty much all the drive-ins made the digital conversion. And it turned out, like, like I said, from picture-image outdoor standpoint, it actually turned out to be a really good thing for them.
1: And if you're just now tuning in, we're talking with award-winning director April Wright. Brand new documentary, Back to the Drive-In. Are you okay to stick with me through a commercial break, April? Sure. Perfect. We're going to take a very brief commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to chat more. If you have a question you'd like to ask April about her uh, documentary work on Back to the Drive-In, you can text us on the KTRS text lines 84126. You're listening to geek to me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by. Hi,
3: this is Henry Winkler. You're listening to geek to me Radio. Sunday,
1: Monday, happy day. We are back, Geek to Me Radio. Heard here every Sunday night on the Big Five Fifty, nine o'clock Central. That's ten o'clock Eastern, seven p.m. Pacific. For those of you who might be listening online, want well, to make sure we tell you about our new food sponsor. Who I, every time I do this live read, I get a little hungry. It's Steve's Hot Dogs. If you're in the Greater St. Louis area, you know where I'm talking about. Steve's Hot Dogs, right there on Grand. And now, uh, Joey V just saw their new facility there at the uh, the city down there in their in the stadium. You uh, didn't? You said it was. Uh, inside or no it's on the outside uh, the soccer stadium the Soccer stadium, yes and the, and the dome okay so i didn't even know about the one at the dome okay so they got the, both of those there so if you're out at a game uh for the st louis city or the battle hawks you've got your food covered right there they've got a special arrangement with us right now for the next 30 days if you go online if you place your order online whether you're going to do an online pickup if you're going to order it uh, to go from grubhub or if you want to order online have it ready to go when you walk in the door if you get $5 off your order of $25 or more, just put in the code geek to me at checkout, and you'll get $5 off, so you're saving 20% on your order right there. Uh, it's the official hot dog of St. Louis. These hot dogs are amazing. They've always got a, a different menu with specialty-themed hot dogs. Every all-beef hot dog is cold-smoked, grilled, topped to perfection, a fresh-baked bun. Uh, great menu choices, as I mentioned. Of course, it's it's up there with Fritz's famous Frozen custard, uh, you can hit, go to there for dessert afterwards after you leave uh, Steve's Hot Dogs and get your fill of some wonderful, wonderful food. Make sure you use that code GEEK2ME at checkout, all one word, and save $5 off your order, $25 or more. That's just for my listeners here on this radio show. And make sure you check out the website, Steve's steveshotdogsstl.com, to check out their menu and uh, put that code in online when you go. Your tummy and your wallet well, thank me. Very proud to have Steve's Hot Dogs on as our brand new food sponsor. We've got April right on for just a little while longer here talking about the new documentary Back to the Drive-In. When you're working on uh, uh, one like this, especially when you've kind of visited it once before, uh, I-, I assume you have ideas of what you want to do, but how often when you're doing these documentaries, do you get into it and you find something or you're at a location and you kind of change how you want your uh documentary to go? does that happen very often or are you just like this is the plan and we're going with this
2: <laughs> a lot of people talk about documentaries that change along the way and i think that if you're following like somebody in their life and things evolve that that happens so my first three about stunt women and the movie palaces and um the drive-ins, they were about history. So no, it didn't change that much because you kind of already know, you know, the template of what you're telling Mm. this one a little bit. I mean, I knew that I wanted to visit these drive-ins and I knew I had picked a bunch of different types of drive-ins, you know, old ones, brand new ones, big, small one screen, seven screens, serve alcohol. Don't, you know, every factor I could think of, um, So I thought I was going to get a whole bunch of different points of view, and I did to some degree, but the other thing I realized as soon as I got to four or five was they were all telling me the same thing. They were all having the same problems, (laughs) so I realized all the factors didn't matter. They were all sort of in the same boat together.
1: And we've got some text line uh, questions came in for April. We've got, uh, first up is John in the 314 area code. He wants to know, April, what's your favorite drive-in that you got to visit and why? Ugh.
2: I cannot pick a favorite <laughs> among <laughs> among the drive-ins because there's um, so few left. I, I'm just like, any drive-in that is near you and is open, that should be your favorite drive-in. Yeah. But I did try to pick um, some different drive-ins in this movie that I like certain things about them. Like, the Benji's drive-in outside of Baltimore is very authentic. Hmm. Um, very cool. um the Greenville in upstate New York they have kind of a bar area, and oh, they wow. do themed drinks with the film, and they have a lot of special things. So when I was there, they were showing the Big Lebowski and they uh. had white Russians and they had dude <laughs> cookies and um it was awesome. so I tried to highlight some of the different things that that uh, some of these places are doing.
1: <laughs> and on the text line too we've got chance is listening from atlanta he wants to know what was the first movie that made an impact on you and do you remember your first movie that you recall seeing at the drive-in
2: yeah people always ask me that and i, I really don't like i said we had a movie family so we watched movies all the time and kind of studied them in a way i mean i can remember being a little kid and seeing glimpses of some of the very b movies um,
1: Hope we just lost her on the phone. The phone just dropped. Um, We'll we'll hopefully April will call right back. Um, In the meantime, I'll let you know uh, if you missed it. Last week we had John. I'm sorry, Julian Glover on the show for our 350th show. I'll tell you about this while we're waiting for April to call back in. She must have dropped. uh, The phones are dead at the moment, so we'll have her call back in. But yeah, if you didn't get to hear it live last week while I was at Planet Comic Con, I did put out a new show. We had Julian Glover. On the show, talking about his work in For Your Eyes Only, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, his work in Game of Thrones. Two different doctors that he went up against, the first doctor and the fourth doctor in the Doctor Who series. Uh, just an f- epic actor, and he talks all about a lot of his different roles. And he gives this really great story at the end about the James Bond actor who he does not get along with. So if you didn't get to hear it last time, make sure you, uh, if you didn't get to hear it live, go ahead and check that one out. Uh, it's it should be uh, on the website if you go to GeekToMeRadio.com, and you can also uh, obviously get that from the KTRS site. Thanks to Mike Wilkerson, updated our KTRS page. We have April back. It looks like April. Did, we, did you go through a valley? Did we lose you? I don't know what
2: happened. You, it just <laughs> dropped off. Com- like I couldn't. I was still connected, but I couldn't hear you. So sorry about that. Oh
1: no, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but yes, you were saying you came from a movie family and you did a lot, you know a lot of movies and everything, but you couldn't quite remember uh, your first movie you saw to drive in.
2: Yeah, I remember seeing some really bad B movies, like and not really seeing. I was a little kid in the back seat, trying to peek out. But um, like some Jaws knockoffs, like Orca and Grizzly, were a couple I vaguely remember. But um, that's about it.
1: <laughs> that's so funny you said Grizzly because Chance, who asked that question of you, just said he saw Grizzly from 1976 at a drive-in in 20. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2007 uh, at the Starlight Drive-in in Atlanta. Was that one of the ones you hit?
2: uh the starlight is not in this movie but it is in my first movie and i have been to the starlight yep
1: so chance uh thank you for that question and also john from the 314 area code on the ktrs text lines thank you for those questions as well um i don't want to keep you too much longer i said it would only be a half hour so i don't want to keep you past your time that way you can come back and talk to me again when your next uh film drops but (laughs) you've done all these films you've won Mm -hmm. awards for your directing everything like that with, the, I always I like to ask this question because people start getting awards, and then they either have they feel like there's pressure to like maintain the bar to a certain level. Others, it just kind of they, they're glad to have the awards, but it doesn't affect their work. Which camp do you fall into? Do you feel?
2: I really appreciate all the awards, but um, I don't feel that pressure. I just set out. Each film's unique, and I just try to make the best film that I can. And especially when you're making documentaries. I always feel like I'm making a movie, but it's about somebody else. It's about their lives and their livelihood. So my job is just to really listen and to tell their story the way they want it told. And that's what I feel about this one. The drive-in owners are the stars. Hmm. I just showed up and captured them and then tried to show what their real lives were like and how hard they work and how passionate they are about keeping their drive-ins going.
1: With two documentaries out about this subject, I'm going to consider you an expert. Uh, What do you think it's going to take to keep the drive-ins going? They had that little bit of a pop from the pandemic in 2020. Do you think that's going to kind of that alone draw more attention to the fact that we've got these great treasures that we can go see these movies at? Or do you think it's going to take something a little more? Is there another innovation that could help save the drive-ins that we currently have? What are your thoughts on the future prognosis of this medium?
2: Yeah. That's a great question. Well, they they as you see in my movie, I, I shot it mostly in 2021, and you can see the novelty wore off a little bit, mm-hmm. that once people could go to sports games or do other things, that the drive-in was not the at the top of the list anymore. And I hope people see my movie and that it makes them be like, oh, yeah, the drive-in, I do have to go back and support my drive-in, because that really is what it takes the local community has to make it a regular thing and go there and support and buy the food if you want to, want them to stay around you have to go to them and it's not it's a great time so you know it's not like we're trying to make you do something that isn't an amazing time
1: <laughs> yeah exactly right and we we've uh, like i mentioned with the trivia show we had bill cleveland we all went out to the uh, we had a, a thing a, a themed party i can't remember what the movie was now but we all went out there and we had a Thing where he did a little act at the beginning of it, kind of talked to people, and uh, Bill Cleveland's voice kind of led the intro at the Skyview Drive-in over there. So uh, we may have to l- look at something like that coming up here and see if we can't get some more. Not that the Skyview Drive-in they're not sponsors of the show, but it, it, you know, you always want to support those small businesses. That's such an important yeah. thing to do, especially when the economy is kind of as rough as it is now. What's next for you? What did you have? I, I know a lot of people hate that question, but obviously, if you're if you're working on something else, I want you to be able to get the word out there. Are, are you currently working on anything that you can? talk about? Yeah, I
2: am. I'm I'm working on a lot of things, some TV things and some features, but in documentary I'm helping a friend finish a documentary about girl skateboarders that we're just finishing up. Um, So that one's pretty cool. We'll be coming out sometime later this year. And then on my going attractions theme um, when I was on the road shooting this drive-in movie, I also shot a lot of B-roll for follow-up films there. So I'm going to do roller rinks, bowling Uh. alleys, and uh family-owned or or regional amusement parks which there used to be a lot of and there's a lot less of them
1: yeah, no, that sounds so much fun. And again, I, I think uh, my friend Emily, I know, would love me to have you on for an entire hour just to talk about the untold uh, Hollywood story of stunt women that you did in 2020 as well. Because that's, I, I kind of want to have you on. The stunt women
2: are awesome. If, if people haven't seen it, they should.
1: <laughs> and is there the best place, like if people want to keep up with you to find out more about your work, is that you have like a website where all this stuff is stored, links to where they can get these uh, features of yours on demand. What's the best place to keep up with you online?
2: I have a website that's, it's just com that has most of my projects on there. Um, so that's a good way to check.
1: And are you active on social media at all? Instagram or Twitter or anything like that? Or mostly through the website? Yeah, on
2: Twitter it's driveindoc, D-R-I-V-E-I-N-D-O-C. And I'm on um, Instagram too, April underscore right underscore 1999.
1: And that's right with a W for those of you who are listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll put links to those in the show notes as well. We could easily have you on for the entire hour, but I promised you I'd cap it at a half. Uh, So hopefully we will get you back on the radio to talk about some of these other ones, especially I'd, I'd love to talk about the roller rinks and things like that. April Wright, thank you so much for your time on a Sunday night. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right, you too. Thanks. That was fun. Thank you. Be well. There she goes, April Right. Make sure you check that out. Back to the drive-in. Just look on demand. I'm sure it's uh, wherever you get your on-demand movies and everything like that, you can probably check it out there. And that sounds like something that would be really fun to watch, especially if you're a movie aficionado or apparently like John and Chance, um, that they uh, would want to check out a documentary like that as well. Hopefully you would too if you're listening here and you've been to the Skyview drive-in in Belleville. Uh, that's something you'd probably want to check out as well. We're going to take our next commercial break. We're going to come right back and we'll play our interviews with David Kaye and Dale Souls coming up. You're listening to Geek to Me Radio on the Big 550 KTRS. Please stand by.
2: Hi, guys, it's Emily Swallow. I have two things to tell you one of which is This is the Way, and you are listening to Geek to Me Radio.
1: So great to see Emily Swallow back for Season 3 of The Mandalorian. I'm really enjoying this season so far. Speaking of enjoyment, if you want to get out and have some fun, check out the city of St. Charles. The website, of course, discoverstcharles.com. That's discoverstcharles, just so you know exactly how to spell it. Uh, A lot of cool stuff. Today was a gorgeous day. My goodness, if you did not get out today and you're in the St. Louis area, Get outside, go play in Frontier Park or bike ride the Katy Trail. Have a picnic, take your dog for a walk, do something out there you missed out. It's always fun to be in St. Charles, but it's even better when the weather is gorgeous like this. Take a stroll up and down Main Street, get yourself uh, something to eat, maybe a beverage, and kind of just walk around, check out all the cool things there are to see and do. Uh, it's only going to get better as the springtime starts to really blossom. We were just talking on the Outdoors Dan Show. The first day of spring was Monday, the 20th. So spring is here, even though it might not feel like it in parts of the country, but it is here and uh, no better place in the entire country to enjoy it than beautiful downtown St. Charles. If you are planning a trip this summer, you want to get out someplace, check out someplace new. I highly recommend St. Charles. Lots of places to stay, hotels, bed and breakfast. If you've got an RV or a camper like my friend Paul, uh, you can bring your camper or RV there and hang out. Uh, just... No shortage of options when it comes to St. Charles. A beautiful place. We're so lucky to have it, especially right here in our backyard. Basically, just a short trip across the Blanchette Bridge. And there you are, gorgeous downtown St. Charles. Check out the website, whether you're local or from out of town, to plan your trip. DiscoverSt.Charles.com. That's discoverst.Charles.com for an historically good time. We are going to take uh, this next interview here. I was at Pensacon. This is one of the ones I didn't get to get to. We were supposed to have another guest on. Things didn't happen. But luckily, I've got these great interviews for you to enjoy this one first. We're at Pensacon. We're talking with David Kaye, voice actor, the man of many voices. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Peter Cullen, I grew up with him as Optimus uh, Prime. You got to take over that role, some big shoes to fill. How did you feel being Optimus Prime?
3: Well, it was it, different. I, I love Peter. I mean, just got to say... Uh, last time I saw Peter, it was a while ago, before the pandemic, and we were at a drugstore, and I saw this little little head walking down. I got yeah. looked over and went, hey, Peter, how are you? He's David Kegis. He oh, yeah. Hey, what are you doing here? I said, I'm buying drugs, Peter. What are you doing here? <laughs> uh, well, transform and roll out, you know. And I, but uh, it's, you can't really do, you have to do your own take. Yeah. And so, when I, they brought me in uh, from, you know, playing the villain all those years in Beast Wars, to the to, I, I walked in the in the booth, and I didn't actually audition for Optimus Prime because I did a, I did Megatron. I said, "Oh, here we go. We're gonna ride the horse again," you know. And uh, I picked other roles. I, I I did pick Lugnut, which I got mm-hmm. you know cast in. And then I did everything, and they're all like, "Oh man, you know, hey, good to see you, blah blah." blah oh, by the way, can you can you grab the sides for Optimus? Uh, we're having a time, and, I, and you can go out and you know read them and come back in. and and I went, wow, that's weird. So I went and did that. And then um, I just sort of used my own voice. I pitched it up a bit. They were trying to figure out, like, the character. And, and I ended up ultimately being my own voice, which is just basically me. You know, yeah. transforming it all out. So I, I, the longer we did it, about the fifth or sixth episode in, I started becoming comfortable and dropped into the zone of who Optimus is and what. You know, you just kind of feel it. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. No. But, yeah, so you have to do your own... Uh, thing be very cognizant of what you know uh, of the legend. You know is Peter Collin, and uh, you know you do your you, you do your your take on it. You know, hope it hope it sticks, and yeah,
1: you know, and go home and have dinner. You know? so, yeah. and one of the things I was noticing, I didn't realize this when I was doing my research the narration for uh, John Oliver. Oh, yeah. And since 2014, it says, which you've been at it for a while, I, and not like, how do you get that gig, but how did you... 2014? That's what it's on the IMDb page. I was surprised it had been that long because I was like, my goodness. It's been nine seasons, yeah. But so, I, not not like, how does one get that gig, but how did you end up getting that gig? What was
3: well, the... I, I auditioned, they had me audition. I have a manager and I do has trailers and promo and different things like that. And, and they, and they, uh, I auditioned for the for the role for, for the promos for HBO for the this new comedy show, you know. And I did the whole uh, a brand new show, John Oliver. I did this this promo voice, a kind of a charactery thing, and they hired me. Go, oh, cool! So I did the session, and then I'm watching HBO one night. It was Game of Thrones, and then uh, and I I, the, I said, "Hey, Maria, Maria, here's a here's a promo," and it goes on, and the voice. I said, "That that's not me." oh, it's, I mean, he's really good, but that's not that's not me. Hmm. And I, I texted, you know, it was one of those, like, snide texts to my manager. Well, I guess they're not using me for that. <laughs> I get through me, whatever I said. You're fired. And he, and he, yeah, and he calls me and said, said, no, 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 no. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, um, I, I forgot to tell you. So they want to know if you want to, like, uh, can, are you available, like, Saturdays and Sundays? I went, oh, that's sacred, sacred time. Uh, hmm, weekends? Hmm. He said, well, you know, they want to know if you want to be uh, involved with the show. And I said, like, doing what? And he said, well, it's you know, it's John He You yeah, see, I knew it from John Stewart. And I said, I guess we'll try, but do I have to work on the weekends? Yeah, they, they need to record. I go, okay, let's give it a shot and see how it goes. And that's how it happened. Hmm. And then I ended up doing a bunch of, and now this, and then how is this still a thing? You know, they used to write a right. bunch of stuff, and that's how it, it's been. And I've held, I've held the Emmys. It, I know how much it weighs. <laughs> I went to uh, the first couple shows, Emmys. I went to I thought, I never thought I'd be at an Emmy show, and we all dressed up and put on our penguin suits and met the crew from New York when they were in L.A. at Staples Center, and uh, um, and then it was. I went second year, and the third year they called. I was like, Yeah, hey, yeah, I'm good. I'll stay. I can stay home. It's it's a lot.
1: Yeah, to you get, can, get you I'm got down. oh, I
3: gotta get dressed, and I gotta you
1: gotta look nice. So, uh, yeah.
3: so that show, you just never know from where, where things come. I thought it was just one promo for HBO for the ends up being nine seasons. An Emmy Award winning
1: show and right. you know, and it's it's crazy. <laughs> Is all the stuff you do with them pre recorded or do they have you live in for live shows at all to like throw stuff in? Yeah, all pre recorded. Okay. Like every
3: Saturday this morning I did some for this weekend show. I recorded last week. Uh, but every Saturday morning, 7.30 Pacific Time, when I get up, I, like, I, I roll into the... I walk down the hall to my studio and, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm awake, I'm awake. Uh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, yeah, we do it on weekends. And uh, the odd time, if they need to change, we'll do it on Sunday before the show, but it's uh, weekends, yeah.
1: And Eternals just came out uh, last year. I feel like everything just came out because pandemic has thrown yeah, my know, it's, times,
3: time times off.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But uh, being able to voice a big cosmic level character in a Marvel film,
3: how was that? Surreal, because I remember being introduced to the comics from my friend, my late friend, who passed away unexpectedly last year of a heart attack. And Dave used to work in a comic book store in my hometown. Uh, I grew up in Peterborough, Canada, uh, it's northeast of Toronto, um, and we used to go down and hang out on a Saturday, he was like 14 or 15, and he would be organizing Sandy, old Sandy at the bookstore, and he was organizing comics downstairs, and you could smell that dusty paper, that yeah. wonderful comic book smell, and I couldn't imagine the amount of money that, that would be worth today, those books. Oh, I know. That store burned down, by the way. We went down and watched it burn, and it was oh, horrible. My gosh. But Dave, the, I remember one day, he said, Hey, this, you know, he introduced me to Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and all the characters. We had some famous Monster Film Magazine down there, too, but mostly comics. And he gave me, Here, this is The Eternals. He's like, this uh, seven, uh, seven, uh, he, he gave me, like, I was looking at, you know, I, I remember The Eternals. Yeah. And in the movie theater, when he came on, I went, Oh, my God. This is surreal, isn't it? So pretty, pretty cool. It was, it was a neat thing.
1: They're very secretive with their projects. Did you oh know my, what you were no, voicing before? No, I did not. When okay.
3: I read for it, it was a few paragraphs. There was no reference even. I had to kind of. Well, this is where my skills are going to come in. So I, I thought I was auditioning for Transformers. Okay. I said, Oh, finally they're going to have me back. You know, I mean, <laughs> but but no. Um, but I just I read like. I read, like op- I read sort of like a, like a grizzled optimist. I sort of gave it a, I don't know what I did, but they somehow, my agent, you know. Hey, DK, so they like you for turn ter- Well, no, she didn't actually know it. She liked you for that Project X it was, because my agent didn't even know what it was for. I it. it had to come direct to me, direct back to casting. Hmm. No one saw it. All they knew is it's a big project, Project X. I can't say anything, you know, but yeah, that's how it happened. Wow!
1: Yeah. When you were reading the lines, there was no context that would have given. I had no reading. idea.
3: Wow! That's 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 where you're going blind. When you read for animation and cartoons and video games, you have a context. Storyboard. Who he is, like, yeah, like, what this guy is, and on and on and on and on. This is just basically a couple of paragraphs and a couple of lines, and you're like, I don't know. So that's where your imagination and your your sort of your what you've learned yeah. you know over the years is trying. Okay, let's make this as truthful as we can and
1: hope for the best. I grew up watching DuckTales, the original series, oh, to have it back, I, I, hands down, one of the best reboots of a cartoon ever. Matt Youngberg, my friend
3: Matty would love to hear that. The, the crew that was on that, uh, what a delightful. Uh, Matt Youngberg worked on Transformers Animated. I've worked on their great shows with Matt, and he was uh, the head guy at Disney on that on that show. I was disappointed when they, when they uh, didn't renew it, but um, phenomenal cast. Um, an honor to come in and voice, you know, Duckworth, you know, I mean, who knew, you know, from the corporeal world, you know. <laughs> it was so great that he came back. Yes, he did, yes, and just, uh, he's, he's still, you know, the ghost, it was great. <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, so that's how they're going to do it, all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah
1: with that cast again i know that probably a lot of this was during the pandemic did you get to record in a booth across from a lot of those or was it all
3: no uh in that one they would bring me in because i would have a few lines here and they would bring me in separately uh and i think there was uh some scheduling issues where they would bring people in separately as well some cartoons you're in a a group a lot of them that there were um but we were doing masters of the universe when the pandemic hit and we thank goodness uh we got a chance to record a bunch of episodes together because so much fun yeah and then down you know the hammer comes down and then we're all alone at home and but the good news is for us in our industry is we kept right on rolling they just figured a way out yeah. to do it with the zoom and all that stuff and ultimately we still do a lot of you know stuff right now there's a new show coming out i can pro- a promo i can actually say something cool um it's a Adam Sandberg, Andy Sandberg's new show, that's Comedy Central, and uh, Rip Digman's very funny. And uh, I play uh, some characters on there. I can't quite disclose what those characters are yet, because okay. I don't know what I... But I know it's uh, premiering uh, uh, March, March March, 17th, March 28th on Comedy Central. Uh, I'm one of the only nobodies, I think, in that, that, that show. <laughs> But it's very funny, a lot of fun.
1: March seventeenth, Comedy Central. So watch we'll so for that. It's March,
3: Comedy Central. Don't quote me on the date. Okay. Yeah. So if you're listening right now, yeah, go to your local listings, right, pull up your yeah. website, and look for Comedy Red Central. Digman. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And w- last question. I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, Ratchet and Clank, huge video game franchise yeah. series. Who knew? Huh? You're here with uh, James Arnold Taylor, your uh, cohort in that series. Yes, he is. Look at him. Isn't he sweet? <laughs> look at his hair. Oh my. Oh Ratchet. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm. Um, Later on, I'm supposed to be interviewing him. What can you give me? What kind of juicy, secret, inside gossip can you give me on James Arnold Taylor? He is a prima donna in the studio. I can't believe... I mean,
3: come on, James Arnold Taylor. No. Um... You will... Good luck finding anyone on this planet that has anything negative to say about James Arnold Taylor. He is a uh, wonderful human being, Is in a wonderful family. He's, he's a, he is—he is a sweet soul. He's just—I mean—and you'll hear not a lot about voiceover. The, the crew—we're—we're we're, we're like that, you know. I, I don't know how that is, um, but yeah, he's—I uh, can't. There's nothing. There's no. You can't say a bad word about James Taylor He's a great guy. You know,
1: so. I imagine it's a lot of fun attending these conventions. You have got Yuri and uh, Gray, who you've worked with oh on Masters. God, yeah. It's like you know, you're just having a reunion. Is Gray here? She is. She's how the, the hell did I not see Gray? <laughs> I've been here for 24 hours. I feel like she came in late Friday, so maybe that's why. How does she do it? I don't know. I could never be, you know. I could never be
3: as cool as, as, as someone. I can't. I can't even. I can't even begin to fathom how. How does she? How she's so cool. <laughs> I'm gonna go and give her a smooch. Uh, She's so lovely too. Yeah. All right, so
1: we're gonna we're gonna leave it with him giving her a smooch. We'll we'll leave it there. Yes. Where can people keep up with you online, website, social media handles? People oh, want right to find now, out
3: more. Chestnut, uh, it's uh, a, a Instagram. It, uh, it's at dkvo. D k a y. Tara Strong hates my handle, by the way. She Each yes, do you? It's, uh, what is it? I got <laughs> DK, anyway, it's dkayevo. Right. Perfect. And, uh, David and I both on Twitter and Instagram and. Uh, And CelebWorks, they're they're the the folks that send me all to these conventions, and they're they're, they're phenomenal. Chris and Neary, you're the best. I love him. uh, Here's my invitation to Neary. Hey, listen, DK, okay, here's the deal. Do one show for me, okay? Do Pensacola. You love it. we got great restaurants. No, listen, let me help you. Let me help you. Uh, Yeah, he's great.
1: That's perfect. (laughs) David Kay, I appreciate your time here. Thank you so much. Thank
3: you, man. Appreciate it. Cheers.
1: And I didn't plan that that was going to be a Digman tie-in with my next guest, Dale Souls. But before we get to Dale, I want to make sure we tell you about our official comic book sponsor, Bugs Comics and Games. If you haven't been out there, I was just out there this afternoon with my brother-in-law, Alex, and my cute little nephew, Lincoln, getting Lincoln into comic books early on so I can formate, formate that seed, get him into reading and Get him into loving all things comic book. You can check them out, Bugs Comics and Games, on Facebook. Please give their Facebook page a like if you haven't made it out there like I just did. You should go out and check whether you're new to the hobby or whether or not you're wanting to get back into the hobby or whether you're an old-time collector from way back. Check them out. There's something for everyone there. Bugs Comics and Games. Again, give their Facebook page a like. Check them out on Brian Road right there in O'Fallon between Highway 70 and the page extension. It's easy to get to from either way. I'm doing this again. There, are People can't see me. Well, you can see me, but you're not in St. Louis, for all i know anyway check out bugs comics and games.com very proud to have them as the official comic book sponsor and with that we go to my next guest right now we're talking with three-time screen actor guild award-winning actor dale souls all about the brand new comedy central series dig man dale how are you
0: i'm very good and uh i'm i'm very happy to be uh talking about dig man it's an adult animated adventure comedy series that's a mouthful and, um, it, it premieres tomorrow night, uh, ten thirty Eastern Time, and, uh, follows South Park, which is a good, uh, thing. And, um, it's, it's, it's a, an, a, as I said, an adult comedy series, adventure comedy series. It's written by Andy Samberg and Neil Campbell, who, uh, also wrote Brooklyn Nine Nine, a TV show. Yeah. Um, this, yeah. This piece is about uh, a, a world in which, where archaeologists are the rock stars, and uh, Andy Samberg, or Rip, Rip Digman, is the rock star of all the rock stars, and then he falls to the bottom of the heap, and that's where we meet him in the opening of the series. And I am his uh, office manager, Agatha, who's... Uh, you know sardonic uh, tough she loved him but it's tough love uh is uh, a gambler, a lesbian, and a droll wit in that order.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like quite the character development you get to do. Then you get to work on all these uh, all these things and have that kind of come across. And I know you're no stranger to voice work. Yeah, you, you, you've gotten into it rather l- recently. But with Lightyear, obviously, you're the voice of Darby Steel, uh, an award winning film, My Love Affair with Marriage, that you played uh, voice acting in. That. How do you find voice work? You've done so much stuff in both theater and on camera. How do you find yourself acclimating to the voice side of it?
0: uh I really enjoy it it's wonderful um uh, the 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 plus side uh from the point of view of you know not having to worry about your appearance um, but uh trying to get a full character into the voice yeah, I think is uh you know it's a very very interesting thing they, the the work that you, that I do as an actor or as a storyteller, however you want to look at it, to get the character to live, whether it's on stage or in a film or in the voice. Still, the work, the preliminary work is the same to make it seem like it's a real person, you know, or a person that could exist in this fantasy world, if it happens to be um animation, like in this case, or in Pixar's case as well for uh, Lightyear, you know.
1: I was gonna say one one of the things that's interesting is you know you're with your theater background. I feel like voice acting in a way is almost closer to theater work than the on camera side of it because you are investing all that characterization while you've got to really kind of play it out big for the back rows, as they say. You're doing the same thing because you want that all that character, as you said, to come across through the voice, and it really kind of comes across that way than when it's on the animation screen. So that, that's I always find it it's interesting that theater people make some of the best voice actors
0: that is a very interesting observation i hadn't really thought about it like that um that's very interesting i i think about it in terms of you know uh but the, but that the, that that is true that probably there is definitely that aspect to it yeah um which is making sure that the voice is uh heard and in this case in the animated world uh that it's conveying as much as possible uh, because you only have the expression of the uh, animated character, which is a different thing. You know, it's it's not fluid. It is going to be what it is at that moment. You know, it's not like the person's face is going to shift if they're alive, right?
1: Right, exactly and you've got a great yeah, cast of voice people with you too tim robinson tim meadows uh some guest stars like maya rudolph jane lynch clancy brown daniel radcliffe that's got to be so exciting too because you do get to interact with so many other great people
0: yeah oh, absolutely it's a great company yeah it's a great company sadly we we never actually got to interact with each other in the making of it it's all it's all uh a solo um but uh yes it's a, it's a wonderful company of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the guy playing, Oh, Tim Robinson is playing Swooper and Swooper is a character who kind of, when, when Digman does, when Rip does get a job and he has to travel and we do travel all over the world, which is also kind of fun. Um, this guy Swooper comes in, he'll get us, you know, in a helicopter or a truck or a seaplane or a dog sled. He can pilot anything, you know, <laughs> um, but but he's uh he's got a big heart but a small mind. a yeah, small brain. He's uh you know, sort of got the personality of a uh, golden retriever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know <laughs> I know some people like that. Oh yeah you go. <laughs> right. they yeah, just want you to scratch him behind the ears. Um and then uh, Melissa Fumero plays Bella who is uh was uh Rip Digman's wife. But on, uh, this is why he's kind of fallen to the bottom of the heat. Twelve years ago, he was, um, uh, trying to get this very, very famous, uh, artifact. And there was a moment where his wife who was with him, uh, was uh, bitten by a poisonous animal. And instead of taking her to the hospital, he did what he needed to do to get the artifact and she died. So he, he has a lot of guilt he's carrying around.
1: Oof. I mean, there's all so all sorts of layers yeah. to this for you and for him. It sounds like
0: I know, but it is you know it's done in a very uh, it, it is very humorous. It really is. It, it, it's kind of uh, I hope uh, I hope a lot of people think it is. I do.
1: And I know one of your big role is obviously as Free to Berlin and Orange is the New Black. What, a, what an amazing series that was. Uh, it, it, it's something on paper that you kind of wonder, well, how is this going to work? But boy, did it work. That must have been such a joy to be part of that amazing show and work with that incredible cast.
0: Oh, yeah. When people say, you know, if you had any pinch me moments, I would say, you know, yes, that was one. Um, I didn't even know what it was when my agent called me, uh, and said, we have an audition for Orange is the New Black for a TV show. And I thought, why are they sending me up for some fashion stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I had no idea, Uh, and luckily I didn't say anything and reveal my own stupidity. I just wrote it down, and then I went to what I referred to as the magic machine. I went went to the computer and looked it up, and oh my gosh, there it was on YouTube, the first episode, because it had just, uh, the first season was out, Mm -hmm. and I looked at it, and I thought, oh, wow, okay, so I ran down to the bookstore, and I got the... uh, You know, I got the memoir, uh, which is what it was taken from, Piper Kerman's memoir of her time in the low-security prison. And I was only supposed to go for a three-episode job, and six years later, I was still doing it. So that was an amazing experience,
1: yes. And I know we have just got a moment or two left. Um, I love theater actors because you come from that background. It never really leaves your heart. You always want to go back and walk the boards. It's, it's one of those things that theater people are uh, a, certainly a different type of actor. So having that background, being on the original Broadway production of Hair, that must have served you so well going forward in everything you're doing now.
0: Oh yeah that that was the most that was the most frightening opening night of my life because I had auditioned for it twenty four times over two years but the night they put me in they put me in with no rehearsal oh my gosh and there were actually oh yeah there were actually times when you know people in what we referred to as the tribe you know the chorus would come over and pick me up and carry me from one side of the stage <laughs> to the other which you could get away with an air because I didn't know what the heck was coming next. <laughs>
1: That's I. I think I have recurring oh, yeah. nightmares like that where I'm on stage and forget my lines or something. I think that's the, every actor has those those, oh, those nightmares. Oh yes,
0: the actor's nightmare. I lived, lived it though. Several of them in real time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and again, for those of you who are listening, Comedy Central. It's following South Park, which is a great. Lead-in, uh, Digman, Wednesday nights, 9.30 p.m. Central, obviously 10.30 p.m. Eastern, if you're in that time zone, or 7.30 p.m. Pacific. Uh, if people want to keep up with you online, are you very active on social media, Dale? Uh, Yeah. Uh, oh, I, did you ask me, am I on social media? Yes. 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 Are, are Are you very active? And what? Where can people find you on social media? What are your handles if people oh, want to keep up? See.
0: You can find me dalesouls Dale Souls One on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, just my name and the and the
1: and the number one, and uh, Facebook just my name. Uh. So we'll put links to that. If you're listening to this after the fact, scroll down to the bottom of the page and those will be in the show notes. Dale Souls, it's an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can have you back on for Digman Season 2.
0: Absolutely. That'd be cool. I'd love that.
1: Thank you so much. Have a great day. I'll
0: do my best. Thank you very much, Dan.
1: There she goes. Thank you again to all my guests, April Wright. Make sure you check out the documentary, Back to the Drive-In, On Demand. Thank you to voice actor, David Kaye. Thank you to Dale Souls. Check out from both of them, Digman on Comedy Central after South Park on Wednesdays. Thank you to my sponsors, the City of St. Charles Convention and Visitors Bureau. Thank you to Bugs Comics and Games. Of course, thank you to Steve's Hot Dogs. Thank you to Joey V for making the show sound as good as it does and look as good as it does today. Until next week, my friends. That's our show! This is Kick To Me Thank you, Belleville! Good night!
3: Hey, kids! Are your parents about to buy you a shiny new toy from Amazon?
1: Hi, I'm Chucky! Wanna play?
3: Well, don't be selfish. Share some of that money with us!
2: Bit dot lee slash geek to me bit dot lee slash geek to me